Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Okay, Lou, I have to ask you, what, what, what are you drinking? I need to know this. The, uh, this is Athletic Greens AG1, as promoted on, I believe, uh, uh, Joe Rogan Experience, The Glenn Show with Glenn Lowry, and you know all the super-duper podcasts. So hopefully uh, On Liberty will be, uh, will be the next showcase of, of AG1. So we're hoping just by mentioning it, we will get a multi-million dollar contract. That that would be great. I wish I had like a promotion, you know, a promo offer to give, but you know, it's all down, it's all down the road. In, in the meantime, as a forty-one-year-old male, I'm doing all I can to stay alive as long as I can, and that yeah. includes a daily dose of Athletic Greens. Well, this will probably undermine my ability to get that contract, but it looks kind of disgusting. It it takes a, it takes a while to get used to as well. It's uh, it's it's not pretty to look at, and that first gulp. It's not that pretty to taste, but what you do is you 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 remind yourself this is going to make me live forever, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm right now I'm going to get like a season desist from AG1 because they're like there's no no we don't claim that you're going to live forever no guys you're claiming I'm going to live forever that's why I'm putting up with this stuff going in my mouth well it, it explains something and we can't uh, we want to talk about the, the new series that you're producing for free the people. Um, but it explains something that I was mystified by and we can't give anything away. But there, there is a forthcoming uh, skit, perhaps the skit to end all skits, where you got like super jacked. Like I was amazed, like it was almost Wolverine level jacked. And I didn't know how you did it so quickly, but maybe it's the greens. Yeah, it's, it's the greens and it's just, just incredible technology we have now. You know, like you could just put me in front of the camera and I become just insanely jacked. Um, you know, after hours and hours of tedious, uh, you know, after effects. Um, but it, it's, look, I, I, uh, I, I love to transform for projects and yeah. that's, and that's something that I'm willing to do. Yeah. You and Hugh Jackman. I mean, sometimes those two names just flow one after the other. Yeah. Lou Jackman. A lot of times, you know, people, yeah, people just, just get uh, you too confused. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it it becomes annoying uh, after uh, after a while. So, um, why is comedy murder? Why is comedy murder? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think I think it has to do with uh, that we were looking for uh, a title for the series, and I was like, well, on the cover of my book, um, I do a parody of uh, or a send up homage to the Smiths album "Meat Is Murder," uh, in which case I just change meat for comedy and i was like does that work yeah maybe that you know maybe maybe that works so um uh, occam's razor comedy is murder because it was the easiest thing to go with um and i think it, it kind of sounds cool it 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 it's it sounds interesting it's something that you know i think i think the kids will like well i do like i i always sort of read like deeper meaning into things that perhaps had no meaning and you were just goofing around with the smiths but but there are there is likely someone out there who believes that meat is murder, who literally believes that comedy is murder because words are violence and and saying something mean to somebody else or saying something that you didn't even think was mean 
or you know god forbid telling a joke might might in fact be a form of violence in the in the minds of the very activists that that perhaps you're making fun of yeah i mean um there i've seen arguments um you know probably along the lines of what they call it like stochastic terrorism uh this idea that if you have a in particular public figure with a large reach and they target rhetorically uh or you know i don't even know if it's rhetorically if they if they target a person or a group of people with um you know criticism or mockery then there's a there's a chance that somebody could you know see that and respond violently to it um and it's a really it's a it, you know if you're talking about like six degrees of kevin bacon just taken to you know the millionth possible degree you know the idea that if you know someone were to hear a joke that that could then um uh incite you know any horrendous action uh i think i think bill burr uh you know said it best you know the idea that you know if somebody comes into one of his shows and he tells a joke uh <laughs> That person was going to commit a violent act, regardless of what that you know what that joke was. Um, so no, I, I hear I hear what you're saying that uh, uh, you know, in, in the world that, that we're in now, I think there's so much, um, uh, so many attempts to just uh, brush off any personal responsibility for you know for one's actions that you know someone could uh, you know possibly try to use this in a in a court of law uh, if we still have courts. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe not so much. But like you're, you're reminding me. I'm, I'm, I'm the old man in this conversation, and I'm old enough to remember when Frank Zappa testified before Tipper Gore's um, PMRC, wanting to ban really dangerous rock music like, like Prince's Purple Rain. Which every time I listen to it, I get, I get like violently angry. And I, and I think horrible things, and 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 she 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 wanted to ban that, and it it sounds ridiculous today, but I feel like I feel like the thought police have shifted away from from music for reasons I can't understand to to comedians, and this this is like a real thing where where somehow comedy has become the last safe space for free speech, where um, if it's parody, um, you're allowed to say things that used to be normal things to say and now it's it's considered provocative and even even dangerous yeah well first first off I, I i think it's so important it's crucial to remind people that tipper gore wife of al gore right um uh al gore isn't cool you know i know that what happened you know in like the you know the early 2000s when he was running against you know george w bush um, there, or, or, I mean, well, you know, before 2000, so, you know, what, 20, um, uh, 1999 or whatever, uh, he was doing, he was such a, a terrible public speaker that he, he, he underwent training and became really good, like as a public speaker and had like a flair, um, and tricked people into believing that he was, he was cool. Um, but we need to remind people like, no, he and his wife wanted to, um, you know, put a, you know, advisory sticker on, like you said, Frank Zappa's work, just to, you know, name one of the many artists, even on Frank Zappa's work that didn't have lyrics, that was just yeah. instrumental. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, thanks to, uh, you know, South Park with, you know, Man Bear Pig, um, and, you know, hopefully with this show, uh, Al Gore will, you know, continue, 
you know, will not be able to, you know, just clean uh, the image uh, that, you know, uh, and, and trick people into thinking that that he's cool because he's not. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to, uh, you know, the, you know, a, I don't know if it's the last, you know, uh, holdout when it comes to uh, when it comes to free speech. But but, you know, comedy, uh, comedy, especially today, uh, is in such a, a perfect place to be able to, uh, you know, really go all out, I think, when it comes to uh, free speech. And that's why we were, you know, I was so excited, you know, to work with Free the People on this project in particular, um, uh, you know, because it's something where, you know, you have the opportunity to take on uh, a lot of important issues, especially from a point of view that I think a lot of uh, comedians, uh, you know, just, just aren't operating from. Uh, which is, you know, a, you know, libertarian bent, um, which I think is, uh, which I think is exciting. I guess we first started talking about this a couple years ago. I, I saw you do stand up at uh, Young Americans for Liberty. And, and then we talked some more at Porkfest. But, but, but yeah, the idea, um, you know, for us was, um, we want to reach people outside of our our libertarian bubble and and you know as much as it upsets me there's only so many people that have read herbert spencer and murray rothbard um and i i judge people that haven't read those guys but but i haven't i yeah i don't know how i got into the uh yeah I got I, I, well I, i'm looking at your bookshelf and i don't even want to know what's on there because it's it's probably very disturbing stuff but uh the, the, the obviously the idea is like um most people don't read those books, and that's okay. They're normal, and I'm not. But but normal people um, like to laugh, and they particularly like to laugh. I was reading uh, I was reading a story about John Cleese, um, where he was defending his decision not to censor the new theater adaptation of Life of Brian, and he. He was making. He made the argument better than I could. But there, but there's something about comedy that breaks down barriers, and comedians who will talk about things that are considered culturally taboo, um, somehow make it okay for people to have those conversations after the act when they go to the bar and they're they're sort of arguing things out, trying to figure things out, um, things that that they were uncomfortable about. And I think that's that to me is is how. Um, it's sort of the glue that holds civil society together is like, we're allowed to talk to each other. We're allowed to argue about stuff and, and we don't have to like, um, um, get permanently separated. I'll never talk to you again every time we disagree about politics or anything else. And, and that's, that's why I find cancer culture so corrosive is it, it breaks down that ability for people to learn how to tolerate each other. Even if their first reaction is, I don't like you. What, what what part of uh, uh, Life of Brian were they trying to um, to get do away? There's um, the the part that they want to cancel is the is the skit in the middle of it where the one guy decides that he wants to be a woman. Oh come on! And yeah, can you imagine? It's 1979. is fascinating. Um, I used to say that sci-fi predicts the future, but I think that perhaps comedy uh, predicts the future. And there's there's this part where. Um, there's there's a guy sitting there and says, I want to be a woman. And and the John Cleese character says, um, but you're not a woman. And said, why do you want to be a woman? And he says, because I want to have a baby. 
And John Cleese says, um, incredulous, but you can't have a baby. You're a man. And, and this, of course, is, is political. I probably just got a struck on YouTube just by re retelling that joke. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. If you're watching this show, you're probably wondering, is there a way I can support liberty and improve my life at the same time? Well, there is. Pack Crest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes botanical CBD products. I started using CBD oil to help me when I'm trying to sleep, and my three annoying cats won't leave me alone. Now I can just ignore them for a solid eight hours and wake up feeling great. Not only are they run by our friends in the Liberty Movement, Pack Crest Botanicals also uses high-quality organic ingredients in everything they make. They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order. And if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to us to help fight for freedom. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it's interesting, you know, the life of Brian in particular, because, you know, there was such a, an uproar, um, you know, at the time uh, from from the church. Um, uh, I, I don't know if there was like a, an official, uh, you know, dictum or, you know, from from the pope himself. But I know that it angered a lot of a lot of believers. So, uh, you know, in in that sense, it is interesting, interesting, interesting to see, you know, what changes will be made to it, you know, to uh, adapt to, you know, the current you know culture where i guess you know now it's still okay to goof on uh you know christians christianity the the crucifixion uh and uh and all that but you know that little skit that you just you know that that you just mentioned is is too far uh it you know wouldn't be right now um so you know i i i think i i think that you know it obviously does a disservice to the to the work because I mean there's something to be said about something that was made over 40 years ago that still holds up like that scene is still still funny and it's actually rather prescient too like just seeing like where we are today and the arguments that we're uh, that we're having um, but also I think that uh, you know that that piece is also locked into a specific time in history that I think you do a disservice not to you know produce it as you know as is yeah can you can you imagine um going through and censoring all the things that are currently offensive from monty python and having anything left to laugh at right no i mean really you know it's a really good point um, i once I, I, once by accident i bought an m, m album at a walmart and they and they took all the fucks and shits out of it and there was nothing left and I took it back. I'm like, this is broken. <laughs> you took all the music out of out of this thing that I wanted to listen to. Well, I I think there is, there is something too. You know, when we talk about like you know woke stuff or what is wokeism and the anti woke and the pushback against that. I feel like so much stuff ends up getting um, thrown into that that same label of being like of being woke. Like for for example, I know one of the big things is uh, when it comes to um, uh, casting when it comes to like you know diversity casting uh you know some people uh seem to think that you know only you know mermaids should be norwegian or whatever the hell <laughs> or, or whatever the hell it is um and i think that that you know 
takes away from uh, you know from a lot of the you know important conversations because like for, for example I think one of the best uh, uh, plays that I've ever seen was a uh, an updated version of the Tempest William Shakespeare the, the Tempest that takes place in a women's prison so everybody every character uh, Prospero to Caliban and all that are all are all women uh, and it was fantastic it was amazing. And I feel like the easy thing would be for someone to be like, oh, they're all women, so this must be woke. It's like, it's like no, it's fi- finding an interesting way to tell this story with really um, incredible actor, a- actresses um, and, you know, keeping the work, you know, uh, you know, uh, staying tied to the, you know, the, the work itself. Um, and, you know, with something like, you know, the, the life of Brian, um, you know, I, I, it, I, I would, be, it'd be interesting to say, like, you know, what they're doing like, with the casting. I wish that we were having that conversation, like, oh, would, who, how would so and so be, you know, as, as this person, rather than just cutting stuff out and, you know, um, uh, you know, using the, uh, the tool of a, of a sensor, you know. By the way, my sound guy told me to tell you, everybody listening to this, that there is major construction. The District of Columbia is replacing all of the lead water pipes that I've been drinking out of for the last twenty years with non-lead water pipes, which may say some, I may need to drink more of, of those uh, super greens that Lou is drinking. I'm not getting any money. Every time someone drinks one of these, getting zero dollars. This is probably a slightly clumsy transition, but I want to tee up the, the first uh, uh, short skit that we produced together under the banner of comedy is murder. And this one's called misgendering a murderer. And I will warn you, even though I dropped two of the seven words that George Carlin once told us you're not allowed to say on TV, I will warn you that if family is listening, um, Lou is a bit of a dirty bird and there's all sorts of swear words in this, so earmuffs. Check it out. Did you read the file? Let's go. Look at you, son of a bitch. Six women. Six. Do you own a black Toyota Sienna, Miss Trapper? Yes. Is this your car, ma'am? Why do you keep referring to him like he's a woman? I thought you said you read the file. I've been tracking this guy for nine months. I don't need to read it. The suspect identifies as a she. What? Is this how you got into the woman's shelter? You said you were a woman. I am a woman. And a woman's shelter has to accept women. Nothing in here changes what you did to her. Or her. Or her. Hmm? Oh, you're a real tough guy, huh? Woman. Gal. Tough gal. Tell me something, how did it feel? Did it feel good? What? When I fell from heaven? You didn't fall from heaven. You fell from hell. That doesn't make any sense. She's right, Jen, that didn't make any sense. Shut up. Miss Trepper, where were you on the night of April 17th? At home, washing my hair. All night? You know how us girls are. Checks out. We have a witness that puts him at home on the 17th. No, I'm just saying she's right. Girls love to wash their hair. That is probably the dumbest stereotype. This shit affects real people. 
but you're just a psycho looking for a way out. Well, it is not gonna work. You're gonna fucking fry. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Misogynist. I bet I look like every gal that's ever broken your heart. Fucking kill it with my sex! Jim! Cool it! Get off of me! I gotta play this by the book! Man, I gotta respect her journey. What is going on with you? My daughter showed me a video on TikTok. It was about gender. Is your daughter transgender? No, but she's an ally. What's an ally? I don't know, but I have to be an ally. It's a TikTok thing. What the fuck does that have to do with this? I have to be an ally if she's ever gonna wanna come over to hang out at my house rather than her mother forcing her to come over. Will you do a TikTok video with me? No, this guy is not even trans. He's just saying that to manipulate the system. Is that true? No. Well, now I don't know what to believe. Well, I don't know what I believe. I believe you identified as a woman to get into the women's shelter to overpower them. Now you wanna do the same in prison. How am I doing? I think you're scared. Of what? Seeing a woman stand up for herself. Other room. Now. What are you two idiots doing? We just got started, Chief. We'll get the confession. DNA results came back positive for a man. Why are you wasting your time with a woman? That is a man. Then what am I looking at here? Harvey Trepper, female. Female semen. Female semen, not male semen. Women don't have... Uh, you got 10 minutes, and then you cut her loose. Chief. Ah, better yet, get her an escort home. There's a serial killer out there. We don't want her to become his next victim. Did you show him the fucking TikTok video? Yeah. Okay, Lou, what, uh, what on earth were you thinking with this one? Oh, man, what was I thinking? Um, well, for one, thank you for, uh, you know, producing it <laughs> with me. Uh, I think that, you know, that's huge. And, I, uh, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, group, uh, you know, organizations like yourself who are, you know, willing to, uh, you know, take a chance on, a, on, a, on, on these ideas and, you know, putting them out there. Um, I think the, the original idea that I where it came from was um, there was an article in the New York Times that came out, I think it was probably like a year ago. And it was about, I think, an, an 83-year-old woman who uh, had murdered a woman like decades ago and then went to a woman's shelter and ultimately ended up murdering another woman. And if you read the article, what becomes really clear is that the New York Times is is doing all that it can not to misgender this murderer who is a biological male. Um, this man murdered two women. This man uh, uh, s said that, that he was a she in order to get into a woman's shelter. And when I was reading it, 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 it I couldn't believe what I was re reading. It just seemed like, it, it seemed like, you know, somebody was, was messing around. There was some satire going on. And, you know, as I, I, as I started to think about, you know, ways to approach a topic like this, I was thinking like, like, is it the new rule now? Like if a man murders a woman, he has to become that woman, you know, is there like a ratio that we need to, you know, that we need to keep? Uh, 
And then, you know, ultimately I, I was thinking like, oh, what if, you know, you know, what would a scene look like of an interrogation where you have, uh, instead of good cop, bad cop, you have, uh, ally, ally cop and transphobic cop and just see what, you know, what happens there. And, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to happy the way that it, it turned out and, um, the responses that, that we've been getting to it are really, uh, um, you know, really good too. Yeah. So you, uh, um, you got what I think was your first Joe Rogan retweet on this bad boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I shared it on, on my, uh, my personal Twitter at the Lou Perez. You can guys, you guys can go and follow me there. And, um, you know, I was checking my, my mentions, my notifications. I was like, wow, getting a lot of notifications here. And then, uh, somebody had left a comment. And when I looked at the comment, it said that not only was the comment to at the Lou Perez was also at, you know, Joe Rogan. And I was like, no way, wait, hold on. And then, you know, I clicked on Joe Rogan and Rogan's, um, profile. And it turns out that he had, uh, he had shared it, which was, you know, just such a cool thing for me. I've, I've, I've been a huge fan of Rogan's for, you know, over 10 years. Um, and, um, to, you know, to know that, that he, he watched something that, you know, that I was a part of that I, that I had made with you guys and then shared it. I mean, that was just, uh, you know, that, that was just uh, awesome. Yeah. It turns out, um, no, no, no offense to you, but he seems to have bigger reach than you do even. Yeah. If you could imagine. Yeah. So the, like, the, kid, the, the kid's done well. He's done yeah. well for himself. And, and he was, you know, he's sort of a lowly comedian who just started doing things like, um, I find I find it interesting, and I, I think the fact that he's a comedian is relevant to his his um, insistence that that open mindedness and and honest conversations and free speech are are still um, hopefully American values. But uh, yeah, I, I pulled it up uh, right before we went live, and two hundred and twenty two thousand views of the video on Twitter, and uh, like half a million. Um, views of the of the tweet itself i'm like that's uh yeah i guess you you come close to that with your other tweets but it was pretty good yeah it was it was uh, it was it was pretty good uh for sure and um you know i i mean it's i'm, I'm sure a lot of the people listening are you know already familiar with uh with the joe rogan experience joe rogan's podcast and um he's been doing some you know having some really great conversations with um you know legendary comedians as well um and uh, there was one that he recently had with Stephen Wright, uh, you know, uh, the Boston uh, comedian. And it it's it is really cool to hear like you know two, you know, incredibly successful uh, comedians talk shop and also, you know, talk about the where they came from and and uh, how they got into comedy and their approach to it. Um, and you know, I think ultimately for you know for any comedian, it's it's all about. The first thing you have to do is you just have to get up there. You have to, you know, you have to get up and, and try it. You have to put your stuff out there and you have to be ready to fail. So, um, uh, you know, the, in the 20 you know plus years that I've, that I've been doing comedy, it's been, it's been a, a lot of, uh, a lot of that as well, you know, taking risks and, you know, seeing how, um, how stuff will do. And, and, uh, when something hits, it, it really, it, it almost, when something hits, it, uh, washes away for a little while all the stuff that didn't you know and then all the stuff that didn't kind of comes back like a nice you know like the tide you know and it's a reminder okay not everything's a hit 
And then you, now you, you want to ride that next wave to get something that really, uh, really lands again. Have you ever thought about using CBD oil? You haven't? Well, think about it now. Are you thinking about it? Good, because now there's a way to support freedom and improve your life at the same time. Petcrest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes a wide variety of botanical CBD products. I use CBD oil to soothe the sore muscles I get from constantly fighting the man here in Washington, D.C. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Petcrest Botanicals uses high-quality organic ingredients in everything they make. And as libertarians, you won't have to worry about them hurting people or taking their stuff. They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use the discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order. And if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to help us keep fighting for freedom. That, that awkward silence that seems to go on forever when you deliver your closing, this one's going to kill joke, and nothing. nothing. I, I know this has never happened to you, but you've seen it happen to other people. I've heard about it. I've never, yeah. I've never, yeah, I've never witnessed it. Um, heard about it for sure. So, so I don't think I, I told you this, but I, one, of the, one of my favorite comments, uh, compliments of, of misgendering a murderer came from um, someone who had just discovered Free the People and she was, she was checking out a bunch of stuff that we were doing on lockdowns and, and, and all that stuff. And, and it was a friend of hers that convinced her to watch Misgendering a Murderer because she, her initial reaction was, I don't want to watch that. It's too depressing. It's too upsetting. Um, everybody is so, so angry to the point of, of irrationality on this subject. I don't want to watch it. And her friend said, no, no, no. This is funny as hell. You got to watch it. And I think, and once she watched it, she's like, this is a great way to tackle an insanely difficult issue to talk about in a way that ultimately is quite reasonable. Well, that's a, well, that's a nice compliment right there. Um, and, and also, you know, I just sort of see it as like, uh, you know, this, it's, this stuff is out there. It's happening. How don't you comment on it? You yeah. Know? I, I, it's like, I, you know, I happen to be a comedian, um, so my approach to, you know, taking on these, you know, what's happening in the world is, you know, doing it with comedy. Um, and, you know, the subject matter, you know, here's something where, you know, journalists are talking about it, pundits are talking about it, activists are, uh, are talking about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, if I, w if, if I wasn't doing that, it, I think there would be something, it would just seem like there was something wrong. And I, I, the other the other compliment was much shorter, but uh, um, a trans woman that I've had on my show who I've become friends with, uh, Sarah Higdon, um, you, you may know her as well, but uh, but I, I uh, actually Terry sent it to her before we went live, and her only comment was, "Male semen, L M F A O." Is that did I get that right? I th yeah, was it? Um, I think it might have been the female semen part. Uh, <laughs> oh, I screwed! I screwed it up. I see. This is why I'm not a comedian. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll take that back. No, Sarah's great. I I uh, 
I was really happy to have her on my um, on my podcast uh, yeah. as well. And um, yeah, Sarah is very you know uh, very open, very interesting, and you know willing to have these conversations. And also, um, and Sarah's trans, and you know uh, be willing to uh, you know answer your questions about yeah. like, you know what what's it like <laughs> being trans? What's going you know what's going on here? Um, I think she might be you know I, I talked to her about you know. Does she feel like she's always kind of like the spokesperson for any time that, you know, a trans issue comes up because, you know, the the fact that that she's trans. But I think she handles it. Uh, she handles it really well. And she enjoyed the uh, the video. So happy yeah. to hear that. But her point on 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 my show was that that this this sort of whatever you call this, this trans radicalism that says that men can have babies and, and men can com- biological men can compete with biological women and women's sports that that they're sort of ruining it ruining it for for her um and she's dealing with gender dysphoria and she's trying to live her life and she but she doesn't want to be associated with this radicalism and that's like there's there's a reasonable live and let live where adults should be allowed to make adult decisions and then there's this this other thing and that's that's worth um, calling out. It's it's worth uh, uh, having fun with. Yeah, and I, I talked to her about a number of uh, a number of things on on the show, and uh, and a recent video that that I put out uh, where I was playing a another char- uh, a, a different character um, had to do with you know trans athletes in sports, and it's a very you know controversial uh, subject, and um, you know something that they they always that, that's often talked about is. Uh, you know, if you allow trans athletes into sports, they're, you know, going to dominate, you know, women's sports. Uh, but they never talk about them dominating men's sports. Uh, so I make an argument that that's truly the reason why they don't want trans athletes in sports, because they will dominate men's sports. Trans men will just destroy, you know, LeBron James and John Jones and all the top male athletes out there. And they don't want to be humiliated. So the powers that be are just are trying to, you know, keep them out of it. Yeah, that I mean that explains a lot when you think about it. It's a big, it's a big grand conspiracy. So these, you know, gigantic alpha males don't have to lose, you know, to a trans man. So yes, speak speaking. Uh, watch another clumsy transition here. Speaking of very difficult issues that that we're not um, allowed to talk about reasonably with the other side. Um, one of them is is gun gun rights and your your ability to defend yourself. And, and whether or not people should be allowed to do that. So let's watch the second video. And I don't even know what it's called. Do you know what the title of this video is? Uh, would you give up your penis for a gun? Check it out. It was after the home invasion that I thought it's time. It's time to get a gun for home protection. But we're still uncomfortable about it. Yeah, I wanna buy a gun, but I don't wanna give up my big dick. It's a tale as old as time at least as old as gunpowder. Guns are not for self-defense or protection of private property, but for men to compensate for their small penises. But in a world where only small cocks are packing heat, what are the well-endowed to do? I came to this quiet town in suburban New Jersey to sit down with George Johansson, a husband, father, and well-hung homeowner. We never felt unsafe. My husband's penis is massive. How could anyone do us harm? But it turns out even the most massive of schlong owners can be victimized. 
We were in bed when I heard the sound of glass breaking. And you sleep naked? Yeah. Were you aroused? No. But by the time I ran downstairs to see what was happening, I was fully erect. So you confronted the burglars with your erection? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? And then what happened? They beat the shit out of me. What are you doing? So they didn't back off at the sight of your enormous wang? No. The first time I saw George's penis, I screamed. I was so scared of it. Hmm. Did you try to hit them with it, George? Of course. And? They just... Uh, they just... Punched your massive dong out of the way. It's like it wasn't even there. I imagine it's very hard to subdue a home intruder with just your penis. Yeah, it's not like what you see in the movies. What movies are you watching? In the wake of the attack, George attempted to purchase a gun, but there was a problem. I thought I could get around the background check, but anyone who's ever tried to buy a gun knows that they measure your cock right there on the spot. It's not what the Founding Fathers had in mind. Weeks after we first met, George Johansson decided to go under the knife in order to exercise his Second Amendment rights. George's penis reduction surgery went so well that he was legally allowed to purchase not one, but two rifles. But was his sacrifice worth it? Do I miss my big penis? Yes. Does my wife miss my big penis? Yes. Do our kids miss my big penis? Yes. But what's most important is that we're safe and our home is protected. Right? Okay. Mr. Johansson, all the ultrasound imagery looks great. Have you had surgery before? I've never had surgery, but I've had cavities filled. Oh, it's very similar. So, let's take a look at your choices. The guns look good, but the penises look pretty small. Well, I think you'd get used to it. <laughs> well, maybe you start with the gun. Which of the guns looks more like what you had in mind? They've never shot before. They've never so, shot a gun before. I think we've, I think we've come to a conclusion. So I guess my first question, and I forgot again to warn people that this was not 100% family friendly, um, and neither will be the first question that I'm going to ask you. But where where do you buy a rubber penis that big? Oh, that that's all you you guys. Uh, Free the people have you know just some of the most incredible staff members who they if you need like a 14 inch prosthetic penis, they know where to get it or they already had it and they've been finally, you know, given the, uh, the okay to use it. Uh, so, so thank you guys for being so, uh, so willing to share your member with, uh, with the, with the viewers out there. I won't name whose 14 inch rubber penis that was, but his name is Matt and not, not Kibby, by the way, it's a different Matt. <laughs> There's like 30 Matts that were I know everybody's named Matt at free the people. I feel like you do that for security purposes, the way like a dictator has body doubles. Yeah. Like you, you just have a ton of mats around. Right. You. Just, uh... I mean, one of them's my taster, but the, 
the, the, the, the skinnier one, he's actually a very dangerous person. So he's sort of my bodyguard. I love how you have a taster and then one of the guys has a 14 inch uh, dildo. Awesome. I don't know how you follow up that sentence, but, but it, like a classic trope, obviously, if, if people don't get the joke is that um, people on the left are constantly accusing um, men who want to buy guns with having small penises, kind of the same accusation if you, if you go out and buy a Jaguar, um, like a, a real Jaguar, not the car. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, was there any particular inspiration for this or just that trope that you hear again and again? I, I think it's that, yeah, I think it's that trope that you, you know, you hear again and again. And um, I, I've, I had a, uh, like a, a bit in, in one of my stand up, uh, one of my, my stand up bit uh, just about, you know, the idea of, you know, uh, you know, a gun for home defense just seems like it makes sense because even if you have a gigantic penis, it's really hard to subdue a, you know, home intruder with that, you know? So it's like, you know, based on like that idea, it's like, okay, what if we build a world around that where we actually, you know, where it's like the only people who have guns have uh, tiny penises. So everyone with a huge penis they don't have a gun and they need to make that, you know, that, that Faustian bargain, you know, to get a gun, they, you know, can get the gun, but they lose their, uh, their, their manhood in the process. But it's just like getting a filling apparently. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the scene, the scene at the end that we didn't have it written out. Um, but, uh, the actor who plays the doctor, Rob McCaskill is just such a, such a great actor. Um, that we were like, oh, well, let's just play around and, and do some, you know, do, do some improv. And, uh, that's where that line came up, came about. Uh, you know, he asked me if I'd ever had, you know, surgery before I said, no, I mean, I've had some cavities filled. He's like, oh, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like that, you know, you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> removing your, removing, uh, inches from your penis, just like getting a cavity filled. You, you know, you know, what's funny about, about the, the, the trope is that like, uh, Terry and I, um, We've always, so we're libertarians, so we've always been Second Amendment guys, and we've always believed in the, in the right to home defense. Um, but we never, we never owned guns. And in a, in a strange way, um, in 2016, I was inspired um, to finally get a gun in the District of Columbia, which is a very difficult thing to do, to own a handgun. You have to, you have to go through all sorts of paperwork and training, and happily there's been Supreme Court cases that now allow us to do that. But I, I was reading a story about um, the mass shooting in Paris at a, at a concert. The Eagles of, of Death Metal were playing a show. You may, maybe remember this at, at the Bataclan Theater. And I realized that, you know, I live on Capitol Hill and, and there's all sorts of strange things. There's not, not just crime, but all sorts of strange things that happen on Capitol Hill. And I felt like um, I wouldn't, I didn't use these words at the time, but I, I felt like I wasn't being man enough for not taking the personal responsibility to protect my family and, and arguably even my community should, should things go sideways. So, so I, I decided it was a responsibility to get a gun and that I was sort of free riding on other people that had taken that responsibility. So in, in some ways, um, I would argue in reality um, if you're willing to, to do the training and, and take the responsibility, um, it's, it's a, it's a manly thing to do. Like it's, it's, it's part of that responsibility. And that, that probably makes me 
old fashioned, but that that's why I did it. And uh, you know, some, something too. I, I had um, uh, uh, Phil Labonte from uh, All That Remains uh, on my podcast a, a while back, and uh, Phil is a, a very um, uh, outspoken, you know, uh, gun rights activist and you know owner and um, and all that. And something that we talked about was, you know, when you when you have a gun, um, it's you know obviously a tool. But it's an, it's an incredibly heavy tool, and I don't mean heavy in, as in you know weight, but but it, the the gravity of what you're holding, you are holding something that can preserve life by taking by taking life, and it's a responsibility that, unfortunately, every gun owner that I know takes incredibly seriously, um, you know, uh, and uh, when it comes to like if you want like. Gun owners know the rules when it comes to like traveling uh, to other states with their firearms. Gun owners are up on the paperwork that you need and, and all that. Um, every gun owner that I know trains, you know, uh, you know, frequently. It's a it's a regular uh, exercise uh, for them, and um, you know, it's 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 something that I, I think you know, like like you point out, it's an incredible you know responsibility and and a duty, um, you know, to a to a great extent, and. The thing is, you don't often hear about that side of the of you know of guns. You don't hear about those gun owners. It's always about you know I don't know um, you know some morons like you know I, I, I don't know shooting guns up in the air or you know or um, ha- having you know having having uh, you know bringing their their you know guns to a to a club uh, without a holster and it falling down and you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's important. It, it's it's a thing where you know where we're able to you know make a you know a sketch comedy video, you know, calling out one aspect of the uh, um, I don't know if it's miss dis or uh, what kind of information about about gun ownership, but then also take the opportunity to have a you know a serious discussion about you know what it actually entails. I, I still struggle with this this cognitive dissonance between um, people primarily on the left, who want all guns confiscated and want to defund the police because they, they target people of color at the same time. And I, I don't know what happens when only the police have guns or only the government has guns and you still have these um, systemic racism things that they, they argue are happening. Um, I don't get it. It's just, it's an emotional reaction. It's, there's no logic to it. Oh yeah. Or, you know, what, you know, something, something that, that, that you'll often hear is, you know, if you want to, if you want to start to see gun regulation, uh, you know, watch black people start buying guns and then the Republicans in particular will start to want to regulate guns. But if you look at what happened over the past, you know, uh, what the past five years, you know, gun ownership among, you know, black Americans, has been increasing more and more each year, which I think is great, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, while black gun ownership has been increasing, which political party has been calling for gun regulations? The Democrats. So it's like, well, that just breaks down that whole uh, argument that that you have there. And I'm not saying this, I'm not a fan of, you know, Republicans, um, but it's uh, it's something where, you know, a, a lot of these cliches, I just don't, just don't, they just don't hold up, and I think they're you know just perfect targets for mockery. So you are, I think you're 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 coming to uh, Freedom Fest this year. You're you're featured 
at uh, punching up, which is, is, I don't know if this is the first year they've done it, but they're having like comedy night, right? Yeah, this is the uh, the second year in a row they're doing uh, the Punching Up uh, Comedy Festival. Uh, so last year was the first one in, in Vegas. Uh, we did one show, and then this time around there's going to be two shows. So there's a, a 7 p.m. clean show, uh, which I guess you, you know you could bring your uh, uh, your family to. Um, and then there- I, n- I noticed I noticed you didn't make the cut for the clean show. I did not. I did not make the cut. Um, so I, I get to join um, uh, Camilla Cleese and um, Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope is, is headlining, and of course Stanhope is, is headlining the Dirty Show. You know, there's no <laughs> way. There's no way you get the guy on, on, on a clean show. Although I'm sure you could easily do that too. And you you met. Uh, I only know this because I saw the picture online. But you met John Cleese last year. I did. Yeah. I was on a panel uh, discussion with um, his daughter, Camilla, who's a, uh, a comedian. Like I said, she's going to be on, on this show too. Uh, so I was on a panel with her and um, I tell you what, it's, a, it's a little bit of, it was a little bit of a trip when I looked out into the audience and there's, you know, a comedy royalty, uh, John Cleese looking, you know, there and actually being, you know, quite interested in the conversation that was going on here. Um, and then, uh, afterward I, I got to meet, um, I, I think it was after our show, I think it was after our show or, or after the, uh, the panel. Uh, but I, I, I got to meet John Cleese who's incredibly tall, um, which is something that offends me very much. I'm, I'm five foot 10. Yeah. I don't, tr- I don't trust anybody over six feet, you know, and who knows what, what they can do at any moment. Uh, he's a very tall man. Uh, and he was very, uh, very nice, very down to earth, very approachable which, uh, um, you know, which, which is wild. Um, and, uh, he actually had some nice things to say about what I said. And I, it was at a point where I was like, I was kind of like, this is, this is too much. I can't, I, 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 I can't take this. I, I, I shouldn't be here right now. He shouldn't be speaking to me that <laughs> this, this shouldn't be happening. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of fascinating in this and, and we, and we can wrap up on this, but, uh, you know, John Cleese by, by any measure, you know, I follow him on Twitter and and he's he's hardly a what would be considered a conservative or a right winger in any sense, but he, but he's such a radical free speech guy that I I think a lot of people that that thought that they were on the left and even they would lump us libertarians on the right, that they're sort of rethinking the world and the fact that John Cleese would be at Freedom Fest um, was fascinating to me. But I I think the more I think about it, it makes perfect sense because, you know. It, at some point, we're going to see like Bill Maher at Freedom Fest, and it'll it'll be like I'll, I, it'll be cognitive dissonance for me. I won't I won't know what's going on, but but they have a number of uh, I always say his name wrong, but like Matt Tiabi is this, is that how you say it? Uh, Matt Taibi. Taibi, and and all of these Twitter file type guys, um, very very left of center guys who who um, understand that government censorship of speech is a dangerous thing which used to be well understood. And, and you have all this, this cool stuff happening where, where honest liberals are reconsidering where they belong. Um, and you know, censorship, you're talking about censorship on the right in the 1980s with, with and I would actually put Tipper Gore sort of on the right in a weird way. Um, and that the, the uh, protests around uh, Life of Brian, you know, now, now the new Puritans are the speech police on the left, and it's it's a it's a weird 
thing that's happening. But but I think out of this chaos might might come to something kind of cool. Yeah, I think uh, well, Matt Taibbi a little while back, I think I think it's available on his Substack. He, um, you know, he you know basically dissected like sort of the that portion of the left that you're talking about. You know the you know the woke scolds joyless humorless. Um, that is just so alien from, you know, the liberals of the of the 90s, the ones that I grew up, you know, watching and loving and very much thought myself a part of. Um, uh, so it's, you know, definitely worth reading. And I think, you know, something that, that that's happened too, like, you know, the, the you know, the left-right labels, I think, have just been falling away and, and, and crumbling because they don't really, they, they don't really make sense anymore. I mean, I look at like Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, and Coulter, like these are, you know, very different, you know, different people who I got to tell you over the past few years, I've really enjoyed listening to, even when I disagree with them. Um, and I think there, there's something to, um, you know, finding a, you know, um, I don't know, friendship or camaraderie with people who, you know, you can disagree with because you agree on some important stuff. And ultimately, you know, if you disagree with them, they're not going to try to get you fired. You know, I yeah. think that's a that's a pretty good thing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you know if I, uh, you know, I could I could have an argument with you know with any of those people. They're not going to be you know trying to find my employer and say you know what, can't believe that you know you have this person you know working for you. And I think that goes that goes uh, a, a long way as a as a culture. So we will be uh, at Freedom Fest. We'll be at Anthem as well. We're showing a couple films that have been accepted to the film festival, and. Uh, uh, we'll be doing various talks as well, but uh, we'll be there for comedy night um, to see if 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 you face that that moment of awkward silence because those rooms are really big too. So the silence like bangs around the room. It's really awful. <laughs> and um, and I know that if that comes to pass, um, I will look out and you will just be there smiling and your hands just going like this. Mm, enjoying every minute, every enjoying every second of it. And if you're listening to this, um, you have to watch um, the new Lou Perez series, Comedies Murder, at, at Free the People on our YouTube page. You can find it at freethepeople.org. You can find it uh, if you follow Joe Rogan because he's retweeting the shit out of that stuff. Um, so all the, all the best places. And uh, it, it doesn't totally translate if you're just listening. Um, and we got a lot more to come, don't we? We sure do. Thanks, Matt. Okay, thank you, Lou. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.